0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, an, ex- an exciting study in the Word of God. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your Word. Your Word is truth. Your Word is life. Father, we believe it. Uh, we, Father, we believe every word, that is in the Bible. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you praise and honor and glory. Holy Spirit, we look to you now for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of our Savior Jesus. And we give you praise and honor and glory, Father. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 1. Notice, Paul writes to the Corinthian churches, and he says this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And notice what Paul did not say. He did not say we hope we have. He did not say he thinks we have. He didn't say he supposes we have. And you know, he didn't even say, we believe we have. He said, we know. This is something of a certainty. Now, remember, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of God. And when Paul said, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, We have a building. We have, not hope to have, not think we have. We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have absolute certainty. Every true believer has absolute or should have absolute certainty That We have a tent. It's a building not made with hands. God's stuff. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It is eternal. And notice something Paul said in the previous chapter. While we look not at the things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So we're we're talking about eternal things, things that have an eternal lasting effect upon you and I as true believers in Christ Jesus. Now, verse two says this, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. There we go. There is an eternal tent that is awaiting for us. And of course, we do grow weary in these present bodies, especially as we reach older age. But we know this, that this is just an earthly tent. And this tent is going to fold up one day. Amen. This corruption is going to turn into incorruption. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have a tent in heaven. Praise God. It's God's way of clothing us, not man's way. God's way. Hallelujah. We are clothed. Now, what are we clothed with? Now, verse three says this. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Well, what are we clothed with? We're talking about something of eternal value. What, what is our eternity clothed with? Well, it's clothed with the gift of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. That is what we are clothed with. Praise God. So we're never going to be found naked. Now, there are those that uh, in this world that uh, don't think anything about eternal clothing, but we do. We're not spiritually dead. We're not in. We're not going to hell the, like those who are awaiting the judgment of God. We've been saved. Praise the Lord. We're clothed with the light and with the life of our Savior. Clothed in His righteousness. Amen. That's enough to rejoice and be joyful of. Praise God. Verse 4 says, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that would we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. You know, I mean, we're talking about life in this plane, in this earth. We have loved ones here. We have wives. We have husbands. We have children. We have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. We have friends. We have things that we like to do, but... What we're talking about is something that transcends all of that. So these earthly bodies, they do make us groan, especially when we get older. And what are we groaning and sighing for? Well, we want to slip into our new bodies. This is just temporal life here on earth. But there is eternity. Eternity is working in us now. And uh, eternity is going to work through us and in us and over us and around us. Guess where? Through eternity. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we will be clothed with our spiritual body. And this spiritual body will be made of heavenly material. Hallelujah. Now, he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. This is all God's business. This doesn't involve us other than the fact that we have to have faith and believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God and confess him as Lord over our life. Yeah, but all the working here, this is all the operation of God and God alone. And he secures this. How do you secure a loan? Well, you've got to put down some, you got to put down some money. When I bought my house, I had to put a down payment on it. I had to put some type of earnest money on this house that I live in, in this life, in order to secure it. Well, what's the security? It's the earnest of the Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Like Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us, he's talking about being born again, has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that which does not fade away, That is reserved in heaven for us. Praise God. That is shouting ground today. Verse six. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that. Notice he didn't say believing that, hoping that, trusting that, supposing that. Knowing that. This is a surety. We know this. This is a fact. This is a Bible fact that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Amen. So what are we going to do? Well, verse seven tells us, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are to live by faith. That is what we are. And then we are to walk by faith. You know, Paul said it this way. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So we're, we're even though we're, have sight, earthly sight. We, we walk by faith. That's really what verse 7 is telling us. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. And we do that, why? Because we're true believers. Amen. Hallelujah. And verse 8 says, and we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body And to be present with the Lord. We desire to be at home with the Lord. And so because we have this home in heaven, we're of good cheer. We're happy people. We are of good courage. Hallelujah. Because we know we're going to leave this old world one day. This place that is our house. And we're going to be home with the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the reason is, is because our soul never dies. It's the sentient part of our being. It's the body that perishes and decays. And we all know that. We, were, we thought we were bulletproof at 17. Well, when we get to 67 or 77 or however old we are, we realize, no, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't think I was bulletproof like I thought I was. No, this body has to be changed. The spirit and the soul go to be with the Lord. The body is what needs to be changed because it's perishing. And Paul said that. He said that in writing the first letter to the Corinthians for this corruptible body must, must notice that must put on incorruption. Why is that? Because flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when we talk about inheriting the kingdom of God, we're talking about the heavenly kingdom. And then Paul says this in verse nine, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So that's our aim. We're here in this life, we're in our physical bodies now. So we desire to please him in everything that we do. Hallelujah. to bring honor and glory to our Savior, to love our neighbor as ourself. To love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, with all that is within us. And we know what is the acceptable way. The acceptable way is to walk by faith and not by sight. The acceptable way is to walk in love. And to labor on his behalf in such a way that we will be accepted of him. When the Lord Jesus says to us, you have done well. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And we know that from uh, first Corinthians chapter three, verses eight through ten. We are going to be we're going to pass through the fire and the, the gold and silver and precious jewels are going to be purified. The wood, hay and stubble is going to be burned away. But yet Paul said this yet. So and we will be saved yet. So as by fire. So we will pass through the fire. And passing through the fire, we will be purified and we'll be ready for the kingdom that is to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, one thing about this judgment seat for the believer, it's not a judgment seat for condemnation. We have passed from death to life. Amen. Our sins were judged at the cross when we received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Throughout this life, you know, we are committed to judge ourselves whether we be in the faith. We are to examine ourselves whether we are in the faith or not. And if there's things in our life that we know are not pleasing to God, we put them to death. We drag them out, throw them down on the ground, stomp on them, put them to death. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't bury these things like uh, Rebecca buried the idols of her daddy. No, we don't bury them. We burn them. We don't cross that bridge again. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. No, the judgment seat of Christ for the believer is the judgment for rewards, for faithfulness. Think about it. All the wood, hay and stubble that's burned up. That really is a reward Because now we're going into the eternal bliss of heaven, surrounded by the angels of God, God himself on the throne, the Lamb of God, hallelujah, and all the host, all surrounding the throne of God. I tell you, you talk about unspeakable glory. That is almost unspeakable glory. Praise God. Verse 11 says this, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. Now this word terror is better translated fear. Knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And we all know that we will, we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But not the sinner. The sinner will appear at the end of time. He will appear at the white throne judgment. And if you're listening to this broadcast and you haven't made Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord, you, you have an appointment at the right throne judgment. Well, what is the white throne judgment? It's to receive the final sentence because your life has already proven that you're guilty. So there's not going to be a trial at the white throne, uh, white throne judgment. There's always going to be the sentencing. And that sentencing is eternity in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone. Now, there's a lot of people in this world that laugh at that. They think that's just, you know, a joke. They think it's a fairy tale. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've had an experience in the regions of hell. I know it is not a fairy tale. It is real. And many others have too. And as quick as you can count a second on your fingers or on your toes, amen, that's how many are going into hell right now. And the only way of rescue, the only person that is throwing you a lifeline that's going to rescue you from this abyss is the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen this is a solemn fear of the Lord and it should be ever present in our minds causing us to reach out to those who do not know Jesus who have not had their sins pardoned at the cross because we know exactly where they're going to go. It grieves our heart. Our family, our friends, our neighbors, those who are not right with God To pray for them, to pray for opportunity to witness to them or to pray for laborers to come across their come across their path to minister to them. That's honorable. God honors that. So we persuade men. Now, verse 12, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Verse 12 tells us that there were those in Corinth that were giving Paul a hard time, giving him a bad name, slandering him, criticizing him. But Paul won't have any of it. But he says this, he says, Are we trying to once again gain favor with you? No, we don't have to. God commends us. Not man, God commends us. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Why do we want to compare ourselves with other people? It's before Christ that we stand or fall. We have only to please him. Now, we work to please our pastor, to do those things that are right, to do those things that he asked us to do. And we want our church to be successful and be victorious so we get involved in it and we work in it. We want to see other people come in, you know, those lone sheep that haven't found a fold. We want to get them in we, the, the lost sheep. We want to go find them. We want to do all of that, but not for people to pat us on the back. We get behind the pulpit and preach. And people come up to me, oh, that's a good, that was a good message, Pastor. That was good. I enjoyed that. You know, we we don't, that's not why we preach. That's not why we witness. That's not why we testify. Why do we do all these things? Well, it's because we're commending Him, we're not commending ourselves. Verse 13 says, for whether we be beside ourselves, oh, people think I'm crazy. You know, if I get out there and start witnessing for Christ or holding up a a, a banner that has Jesus, people are going to think we're crazy. Well, uh, they thought Jesus was crazy and they certainly thought Paul was crazy. So that's good company, brother. That's good company, sister. Why don't they go ahead and call us crazy? Verse 13 says, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. You know, people thought the the mother of Jesus and his brothers thought that that Jesus was beside himself. So that's just the carnal mind. Amen. Hallelujah. But we know the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is this, that there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And if people think that's crazy talk, then they can go right on thinking that way. But we know what the truth is because we have the word of God and we've got the testimony of Jesus that proves to us that, yes, there is a heaven to gain and, yes, there is a hell to shun. Now, verse 14, Paul says this, for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead. So whatever we do, it's not for our own profit. But it's because of Christ's love that constrains us, that motivates us. Our preaching and our persuading men about Christ is for what purpose? It's because we love God and we love them. That's really loving our neighbor. If we're willing to tell somebody about Jesus or go somewhere and represent Jesus. Amen. That's our witness. And that witness can and will persuade men. And it's all the root of it is all the love of God. The love of God is in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 15. This is this is really the key verse in this chapter. And that he died for all. Now let's go back to verse 14. I didn't finish that verse out. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. We understand in the Old Testament and reading through the the entire Bible that Adam was the federal head of the human race. And that man was created with the faculties to commune with God. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Not for himself, but for them, <laughs> praise God. But he desired that. God desired that. He delights for people to know him. When David said this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that Psalm, 15 times, David mentions either my, me, or my. So the Psalm 23 is a testimony based upon his knowledge of, of who God is. And that's why he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want to ask you, do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? Do you know that? Does he make you to lie down in green pastures? Does he cause you to lie beside the still waters? Does he restore and refresh your soul? Hallelujah. Praise God. God gave to Adam the commandment. You can eat of all the trees of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat of it. You shall not eat of it because in the day you eat of it, you will die. And all the trees of the garden, except for the you know the tree of life, all the trees that were in the garden were permitted for Adam to eat from but he chose that one. He chose disobedience, willful disobedience. He sinned by disobedience. And when he did that, he died. He died spiritually. He was separated from the life and the nature of God. And all the human race up to this present fell with him. So we are under, man is under the sentence of death under the sentence of separation. And it's only through Christ that men can be delivered from this death. Christ took our place in death. He atoned for our sins so that we could be delivered. And when Christ was raised from the dead, All those that believe in him and that work that he did in his death, burial, and resurrection were raised with him when he was raised. Whoo, glory to God, amen. Raised to life, hallelujah. Life as God has it, amen. And then verse 16 says this, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. Think about that. Paul thought he knew Christ after the flesh. That's why he was persecuting Christians. But you know, he had a change of mind on the road to Damascus. He doesn't think that way anymore. He knows now Christ after the Spirit. And so do you if you're truly born again. And this is what Paul says, beginning in verse 17. Therefore, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. That old nature has been destroyed, praise God, been made inoperative, and all things are become new. New being that God now inhabits the spirit, the inmost being of the believer, and that inmost being has now become the temple of God. In verse 18 says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Hallelujah. In exchange, he reconciled himself. His death on the cross was given in order so that we might have life in him. And all of our past sins are washed away. Every cotton-picking one of them, not a one is left. Every one of them is gone, praise God. The only thing that we have to reckon with is present sins and sins that we may commit in the future. And I hope we don't. I hope we don't. You know, John said it this way. These things I write unto you that you sin not and if any man sin. We don't have to sin now. As a sinner, we had no choice, but now we do. We don't have to sin. And if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what do we have now? It's called the ministry of reconciliation that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not just you and me individually, the entire world, and has committed, not, not imputing their trespasses unto them. If sinners would just come to know that, that God has already provided an answer for their sin, all they have to do is come to Jesus. Amen. But until the gospel is preached, until they understand through the power of the Holy Spirit that they are without God, godless, and without hope, hopeless. Amen. And that the only way that they can find true reconciliation with Almighty God is through Jesus. Until that's preached to them, they will die and they will go to hell. And here's the key, the last verse. For he who knew no sin was made to be sent for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's our state. That's our present state right now. As believers in Christ Jesus, that's who we are. Hallelujah. And it's all because of Jesus. So sinner, if you're listening to this broadcast and you haven't made Jesus Christ Savior and Lord, do so right now. Pray right now. And God will save you and you will be reconciled unto him. Father, we all, we bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Make the words of this broadcast real to every heart that hears, and we'll give you thanks for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen.